be seated. Scripture today is found in Acts 14, verses 21 through 27. After preaching the good news in Derby and making many disciples, Paul and Barnabas returned again to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch of Pisidia, where they strengthened the believers. They encouraged them to continue in the faith, reminding them they must enter into the kingdom of God through many tribulations. Paul and Barnabas also appointed elders in every church and prayed for them with fasting, turned them over to the care of the Lord in whom they had come to trust. Then they traveled back through Pisidia to Pamphylia. They preached preached again in Perga, and then went on to Attilia. Finally, they returned to ship by ship to Antioch of Syria, where, they, where their journey had begun and where they had been committed to the grace of God for the work they had now completed. Upon arriving in Antioch, they called the church together and reported about their trip, telling all that God had done and how he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles too. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So last week as we were studying the book of Acts, we saw how the Holy Spirit fell upon the believers and there was this great change that was worked in their lives and they began to testify about Jesus Christ and all of these people started getting added to the number. They believed because of the story that they were hearing. Well, so this week we're going to have Paul enter the story. And Paul enters the story thinking that he's a good guy, but really he's a bad guy. Um, he is a young, zealous rabbi. He was, he was definitely a Pharisee, perhaps a member of the Sanhedrin, at least connections there. And he thinks that this new Jesus movement is blasphemy. He's going to stomp it out, grind it into the dust if he can. And so we see the first, at the first um, execution of a believer who is Stephen, the guy standing there at the edge of the cliff because they would stone you by pushing you off a cliff onto rocks, flip you over on your back, and then drop heavy rocks on your chest until you died. The guy who is saying, yes, do that, is Paul. Because he thinks that the will of God is to stomp out these lies about the Messiah having come. So the persecution is so fierce and so deadly that the church is scattered. But we hear that the good part of that is, okay, only the disciples stay in Jerusalem. The rest of everybody, all the believers scatter, but as they go, they're preaching. So wherever they settle, they're telling the good news. Paul is furious. He's going to stomp out this blasphemy. So it's not enough to get rid of the believers in Jerusalem. He's going to go to the ends of the earth to track them down, drag them back in chains, and see that they're punished according to Jewish law. So he's on his way to Damascus, which is kind of in the Judean, it's up north of Judea, kind of to the east in the wilderness. It's outside of his country, and he's got these papers that say he has authority to drag these people from Damascus back to Jerusalem for, to be punished. Um, you can imagine the fear in the believing community in the church when they heard that Paul was coming. Before he can get there, there's this blinding light that hits him, knocks everybody to the ground, and there's this voice like thunder, louder than thunder, that rips across that desert wilderness. His companions can't hear anything except it's roaring in their ears, but Paul hears a voice, and the voice says, why are you persecuting me? 
So there he is on his knees, and all he can say is, who are you? Who are, I thought I was working for God. Who are you? And he hears the answer that chills him to the bones. The voice says, I am Jesus who you are persecuting. Get up and go into Damascus, and I'll tell you what comes next. Well, the voice is gone. Paul's traveling companions look at him. He's still crumpled up on the ground. When they pull him to his feet, he opens his eyes, and he can't see. He's blind. And so they have to take him by the arms and lead him slowly into Damascus to like this house where they were going to attack the Christians from. That's where he goes. And for three days, blind, he won't accept food. He won't drink anything. He's just praying. On his knees praying. Can you see him there? Tears seeping from blinded eyes. I have no idea what he prayed. But he loved God. He was trying to do the right thing, and he has just found out he was going the exact wrong way. He has been working against the Messiah, the anointed one. He has killed followers of the chosen one. He's weeping and crying. On the third day, because good things happen on the third day, if you can get through the darkness to get there, on the third day he has this impression as he's praying that someone is coming. And Jesus goes in a vision and finds that someone, one of these believers who's hiding because Paul is in town. His name is Ananias. And he says, Ananias, Jesus says to him, you need to go pray for Paul. And Ananias says, whoa. Wait, Lord, do you know who Paul is? Paul is the one who came here trying to kill us. Are you sure you want me to go pray for Paul? This sounds really like a bad idea. And Jesus says to him, you go. Paul is the one I've chosen to be a missionary to the Gentiles, to the non-Jewish. Well, that doesn't make any sense, but Ananias is faithful, and so he goes. So imagine, you guys, um, on Straight Street, Judas's house. This is one of Paul's cronies. These are the Pharisees and into this home comes this one lone believer, Ananias, and they're all seething when they see him, right? They're ready to arrest him right then, but he goes up to Paul, and he lays his hands on this blind man on his head, and he says, Brother Paul, the Lord Jesus has sent me to pray for you to receive your sight. And that the Holy Spirit would come on you too. And right then, all these people surrounding with hatred, right? Something visible happens. Something like scales to where they can see it. And suddenly, Paul can see again. And he gets up and he leaves all of these people. We're like, don't you dare, Paul. You know, what are you doing? He leaves them and he's baptized. We need to be a friend of Paul. Because I love what he does um, next. Remember, all the disciples struggle with failure, struggle with that moment where they have sinned and they need to turn around. All of them, Judas, when he realizes he's betrayed Christ, he takes his life. Peter, when he realizes he's betrayed Jesus, 
He goes into hiding. He eventually goes back to fishing, and Jesus has to pull him out of it, right? Paul, though, remember, Paul was zealous. He was fiery. And so when Paul, after spending these three days and knowing my whole life has been wrong, the next thing Paul does is that very day, Paul of Tarsus is out preaching Jesus the Messiah. And everybody's going, isn't that the dude that came here to round up all those people who believe this? And now he's one of them? And so all these people start wanting to know more since Paul has switched sides. Make a friend of Paul. Because a lot of times our past, your past and my past, or maybe the past of your friends, will say to you, oh, if only people knew how bad you were in the past. You would never belong. That is a lie that is so prevalent. And if you make a friend of Paul, Paul had a worse past than any of us, right? He had been murdering people thinking it was God's will. He had been fighting against Jesus, trying to stomp out all mention of his name. And yet, his past doesn't disqualify him. Neither does yours. Instead, Paul knows that in God's hands, all things work for good. So even if we offer our past to God in all of its stained ugliness, then that can become part of our redemption story. And say, see all this? God is greater. That's Paul's story. He never hides it. He says, this is what I was, but through the grace of God, look at who I am now. Your past does not disqualify you. Tell your friends, their past does not disqualify them because it didn't disqualify Paul. So Paul goes out preaching. Um, it goes really well. People believe, and so the Jewish authorities get upset, and they try to run him out of town. How the tables have turned, right? So they smuggle Paul out in the night. He goes to Jerusalem, and he tries to make friends with the disciples because, you know, they're the leaders. What do you think they say? Oh, no. I think this is a trick, right? This could be a trick that Paul wants to get all of us and kill us all together. And so they won't speak to him until a man named Barnabas hears his story, goes and meets him, and brings him to the disciples and says, I vouch for him. You should hear how he's been preaching in Damascus. You should see how he's willing to suffer for God. This is a changed life. And so they do accept him. Now, y'all, Paul was a Jew's Jew. He was a Pharisee, he knew the law, he was kosher, he did it all right, and yet he becomes the missionary to the Gentiles, which is the non-Jewish people. I think he was able to do this because he knew what it was like to be an outsider who was welcomed home. And he knew that if God could welcome him, then there were no barriers that God would not cross. Paul is the one who tells us there is neither Jew nor Greek slave nor free, male nor female, all are invited home, right? The Holy Spirit is for everyone. God is not picking and choosing anymore. This is a message for the world. And so Paul becomes a great missionary for the church. He doesn't stay put. He's always moving around. He has three missionary journeys that he goes on. 
He covers by boat, on foot, on the back of a donkey. However he can get places, he covers thousands of miles. And he travels for over a decade, just going from place to place, towns he'd never been before. Can you guys imagine walking into a town and being like, I've never been here before. He'll always go to the synagogue first, like the church, right, where the Jewish folks are. He'll tell them about Jesus. Invariably, he'll be driven out, but some will believe, and then he'll tell the Gentiles. Paul is a great missionary. Paul is the reason the faith spreads. But here's the next thing we need to know. It wasn't easy. Often we think when we are following God, especially if we're going on a missionary journey, right, to fulfill the call of Christ, then it's going to be easy street. It should be, right? No trials, no adversity, no sickness. It should be easy is what our culture says. But friends, Jesus doesn't ever say that. Jesus said at the very beginning, twice, you're going to have to suffer. Not because he's bad. Not to make up for his past just because this is a part of being a follower of Christ. It's a part of being alive in this world is that we encounter suffering. So I want to show you. You have this map also in your study guide, but it's up here so that I can show you where all Paul goes because I know we'd like to know a little bit more. He starts out in Antioch right here. That's his home church. As you can see, this is Judea, Jerusalem. So the, and here's Damascus where he was um, struck down as he was making this journey. So he's all the way up in Antioch now. This is kind of like, you know, the hinterlands of the faith. But they're powerful, this church. And this church is worshiping like we are, and the Holy Spirit speaking to them. And they realize we can't just sit here in Antioch and say we're good. We need to go out and tell other people because they need to know this good news. And so they decide to send Paul and Barnabas and a few others on a missionary journey. And the first place they go is they go to the island of Cyprus, and they preach here, and some amazing things happen. What I want to talk about is when they get to Perga, because something interesting happens when they get to Perga. This is the first town. Acts doesn't say why, but you can piece it together with the rest of the Bible. They don't preach. Now, Paul coming to a town and not preaching, it doesn't happen. What would stop Paul from preaching? I mean, we're going to see. Not much. But if you read the letter to the Galatians, he says he was sick. So Paul got sick somewhere in here in Perga, could not preach, and left this kind of humid, muggy, seaside Mediterranean climate to go up into the Galatian mountains here to Pisidian Antioch. Um, did you notice that there's a lot of Antiochs? Like, uh, why are there so many Antiochs? Here's an Antioch, here's an Antioch. Um, there was a ruler named Antiochus who was an emperor, and there Everybody wanted to, like, brown nose the emperor, so they named their towns Antioch um, to kind of get in good with Antiochus. So there are actually 12 Antiochs in the ancient Near East just to get in good with Antioch. So he goes up here, um, also in Perga. So he's sick in Perga, and in Perga, um, John Mark deserts him. We don't know why he just leaves. He's so sick that he can't preach. One of his, one of his um, traveling companions deserts him. He goes up here to Pisidian Antioch, and he writes that letter to the Galatians much later. And it gives us a clue about what he was suffering from. He tells the church, you would have torn out your eyes and given them to me if you could have. Which makes me think he had an eye disease, if they were willing to do that for him. And if they accepted him, he says, you accepted me even though I didn't look so great. Um, it was probably trachoma. Trachoma is a disease where your eyelids curl in on themselves. Your eyelashes scrape against your eye, and it's very painful, and it can cause blindness. 
Um, this may explain why, la why later in his life, Paul is having people write his letters for him. And he says, see what great handwriting I use when I sign my name? Um, it could be that not only did Paul suffer from charcoma, but that he at least partially lost his sight. So he's very ill as he's doing God's work. He doesn't give up. Um, he goes up into this Galatian area to Pisidian Antioch. He preaches the word there. Um, lots of people come to faith. We'll get to that in a minute. But eventually a mob forms and they drive him out of town. Now I want you to notice how close this little town is. Tarsus, that's his home. Paul is so close every single time he encounters opposition. He is so close to being able to just say, I give up. I'm going home. He never does. Struggling with his eyes, people abandoning him. A mob drives him from Pisidian Antioch. He goes to Iconium. Um, he preaches in Iconium. It, the opposition is so fierce there that this time the mob that drives him out of towns has stones. And they want to stone him. So he has to flee quite quickly. He goes to Lystra right here. Again preaches. And again, um, this, in this town, this is where they think he's a god. So they go from wanting to worship him because they see the healing power that's present to when he says, I'm not a god and I'm here to tell you about Jesus. And some people from Pisidian Antioch and Iconium get together and they say, let's go to Lystra and tell him to get rid of Paul. Well, that's where it all comes to a head. They stone him. They think at the bottom of that pit that he's dead. He looks dead. And you can imagine if you had stones dropped on your chest, how badly in pain he is. They leave him, and through the power of God, he gets up, and he limps back into the town, and they smuggle him out. Um, and then he goes to Derby. Now, Paul is sick, and he doesn't give up. He's abandoned by a companion, and he doesn't give up. He is driven from towns, and he doesn't give up. He is stoned, and he doesn't give up because God, he says, can work good in all things, all things. When you read the letters of Paul and he's saying, don't give up, and when you struggle, it's okay, you remember he was not without struggles himself. He was deeply suffering for Jesus. And yet, in this scripture that Pastor Greg read to us this morning, did you hear any of that? We're going to come back to that, what they say about what they did. But I want us to be a friend with Paul so that when we suffer, when we're in pain, when it hurts, and we want to give up, we remember not to. That there is no trial, no suffering so great that God will not bring good from it. Great good if we hold strong. So how? How do you hold on? Um, Paul would first tell you to do that soul check. Um, we see him on the road to Damascus, on his knees, blinded and praying, willing to change. And friends, when we encounter opposition, the first thing we need to do is have that Damascus experience and say, is there a part of my life that I need to let go? that needs to be critiqued, that needs to be abandoned, and I need to put it in the past and move on. When you encounter suffering, have that soul check. 
If you find something there, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. The Holy Spirit can help you change. Now, once you've done that, and you're still encountering opposition, press on. Press on. I have heard all kinds of lies uh, in books and other preachers saying and in our culture that says when you're a Christian, you're going to have a better house and a better car and a better job and you're going to be rich and, and healthy and all this stuff. That is lies. Jesus said we would suffer, but he said it would not overcome us. That still we would be triumphant, joyful, victorious people. So don't be discouraged by suffering. Don't be discouraged. The second way that I see Paul doing this is focusing on the good. The, the scripture that Pastor Greg read, they get back to the church in Antioch of Pisidia, and the church says, how was your mission trip? Now, if I was on that mission trip that Paul was on, I think I would have been tempted to lead with, well, Paul almost went blind and John Mark deserted us, and there were mobs in every single town we went to, and Paul got stoned. Right? Lead with the bad. I don't hear any of that. Paul and Barnabas, after this harrowing journey, go back home and they say, Victory! God is good! Right? The Gentiles are believing. And they talk about all the things that I've skipped over. They talk about the believers in Antioch, how there's a church there. They talk about the believers in Iconium and Lystra and Derby. In Lystra, they met this young family, this young guy named Timothy. Ever heard of him? He was awesome. He showed great promise. They're talking about Timothy. They're talking about these new churches, and they're telling Antioch, because you believed, because we went, there are new families of faith all throughout the region of Galatia. Praise God, right? Victory is ours. So when you encounter opposition, by gum, focus on the good. Because we serve a God who brings good from even the worst. So I promise you, in every dark space, in every sickness, in every opposition, there is something good. Something good that you can focus on and sing about. The final thing. We need each other. Paul goes on journeys of thousands and thousands of miles. Um, he does it three different times. And if you count up his traveling companions, they didn't all stay the whole time, but if you count them up, he had 19 people who he took with him, who were by his side. Don't go it alone. You know, have a small group, have a group of friends, have a Sunday school class, um, have a mission team, work at Helping Hands, support each other so that when the going gets hard, you say, you know what, I got your back. You lean on me for a while. Um, and then think about how Paul not only had these friends beside him, but he had these churches, and he would write to them later and say, because you churches believe, my heart is happy. So even when he is taken in chains, which we're going to talk about next week, he knows that there are a lot of people free in the world talking about Jesus Christ. And he focuses on that. He says, you are my pride and my crown. Your life has fruit. 
there are people whose lives are better because you are living in this world. And I want you to remember that when the darkness whispers that you don't make a difference, you do. Have that support. And make friends with Paul, okay? So that your past never overcomes the promise of today. So that when you face opposition, you don't give up. Because the people who don't give up are the people who change the world. We're going to be world changers here at Bee Creek. We already are. We're going to do it because we don't give up. You won't give up, and I won't give up, and we will know that in all things, all things, God will bring the good. We're here today because Paul didn't give up. We're here today because the believers who came after him didn't give up. And in the generations to come, they will say, we're here today because the people at Bee Creek in 2014 didn't give up. Let's pray. God, in our generation, help us to be the people filled with your Holy Spirit who courageously walk the paths that you set before us even when they're brand new. Um, even when we're discouraged or we're hurting, help us to remember that you bring good out of everything. And help us, Lord, to not give up. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.